You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What's up, Downers? Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Matt, but I think you know that already. Today on the show, I'm going to introduce you to a friend of mine named Dewey Halpus. He is the man behind a podcast called Peer Pleasure. It's on the Jabberjaw Media Network, and uh, Dewey's a friend of mine that I've known for a long time. Since about 2002, he played in the band Anatomy of a Ghost. That was a Portland local band and then the touring band, and Emory got to be a touring band, and we went on tour together on our second tour we ever did. Uh, and he's a he's a tremendous guy. He's got a lot of skills, and he found his way into podcasting here too. And he's very good at it. He's one of my favorite people to int- for to hear him interview people. His podcast again is called Peer Pleasure. So go check it out. There's a lot of episodes where he's got a lot better guests than old me. But this time, Dewey tracked me down in Portland. He came to an Emory show, and we sat in his truck and uh, did an interview. And I thought it went really well. I've been interviewed a million times, and this one. I felt like, whoa, this guy's getting after me. He's finding stuff out. He's making me say stuff I don't normally say or wouldn't I think to say. And so uh, I thought it'd be a great one to share with you and to turn you on to him and the good work that he does. So here you go. Enjoy it. Break it down, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it down. Break it down, oh, break it down. Break it down, oh. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. My name is Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, we have a good friend of mine, a fellow Jabberjaw Media host and founder, uh, guitar player for Emory, has been for a really long time. It's pretty much the one band he's done besides Matt and Toby, uh, you all know who I'm talking about, I'm sure. Mr. Matt Carter is my guest today and this week. Uh, it was so nice to get uh, to catch up with Matt. Uh, he played Portland with Emery a few weeks back, and we actually recorded this in the front seat of my expedition out front of the venue, kind of on the fly. We had an idea that, hey, we should maybe record an episode tonight. Didn't know if it was going to happen and then uh, ended up having time before the set. So it's very impromptu and just a conversation between two buddies. Uh, We've known each other going on 15 years, maybe longer. Um, We did one of our last tours uh, with Emery as Anatomy of a Ghost. And it was kind of a weird time where Anatomy was going towards breaking up and Emery was going towards exploding. So we were actually headlining over Emory, and by the end of the tour, we had switched spots. (laughs) We basically said, you guys need to headline these shows as far as, or at least over us. Um, I believe it was with a band called The Beautiful Mistake um, and a band called The AKAs. Uh, A lot of you may have been on that tour or been to that tour uh, back in 2004, I believe it was. Um, That it was a fun tour. Ironically, the one we broke up on was one of the funnest tours we've ever done. Um, you know, the bands were great and the shows were great. Uh, we just had a good time. It was a good lineup. So Matt and I have known each other a long time. Uh, Matt's the one who brought me on to Jabberjaw uh, as a show. 
and basically kind of my mentor in the beginning for podcasting. And I mean, he's basically made a career of doing things his own way and being his own man, which is fascinating. We talk about it a lot on the episode, so I won't bore you with that because you're going to hear it again. But uh, let's get some business out of the way and then we'll get into the episode, guys. So we are on peerpleasurepodcast.com. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter, Facebook, everywhere podcasts are available. I know I say it week after week. Uh, Apple Podcasts. I mean, you can find us anywhere. So definitely tell a friend, rate and subscribe. We love seeing those reviews come in. We love seeing the subscriptions come in. We also love seeing all the emails and guest suggestions and everything else. So keep those coming. It means a lot. Uh, The last episode we did with Daryl Palumbo was one of the biggest episodes we've ever done. Um, And that felt really good. Uh, Also to get his story out there, which he hasn't done before. So um, keep on spreading the word about the show and we love it. So uh, rockabilia.com, over 500,000 items officially licensed from the bands. Check out rockabilia.com. They've got Everything, every band that's ever been on this show is on Rockabilia as far as t-shirts, beanies, scarves, coats, everything. They've got it all. They've got mugs. They've got flags. It's insane. Uh, So PC Jabberjaw is the code for 15% off your order. So definitely head over and check out rockabilia.com. And uh, I'm really stoked for you guys to hear this episode. We had a lot of fun doing it. So without further ado... Here's my conversation with my good friend, Matt Carter from Emory. No, it's fine yeah. if the gains are fine and you said it right, you're done because that, you know, when I first started podcasting, I would, of course, I'm an audio engineer back from background. So yeah. I would do pro tools and I would do this and I would mix it and I would edit and I would try to take out breaths and pot, you know, yeah. we spent so many hours just, but to me, that was the part of how I learned, like all I was doing was I'd go back and listen to 60 minutes of audio and I'd spend two or three hours on an hour of audio. Yeah, yeah. And analyzing that is it just is horrifically not fun. Yeah. But it's how I became to really analyze speech and the way people talk and what works and what doesn't. You yeah. Know? Like, that's just yeah. my process. It's, it's always <laughs> been super slow. I did the same thing with music when I learned. I was like, 
think about every note and how it relates to every other note and just break it down to the tiniest level. And it takes it's a, takes a long time to do that. Yeah. But when I come out the other side of it, I feel like I have a, kind of a grip sure. on, on how stuff works. So I've spent the last five years analyzing speech and speech <laughs> patterns and what makes people laugh if they're trying to go along with what you're doing or not. Yeah. And I, I, it drives me crazy now. I make it a point to never listen, never edit. I just... I'm over it. <laughs> yeah, I just plug and play, man. Like punk yeah, rock, I, I just go for it because, I mean, that's why I didn't demo when I started the podcast too. Like I don't just do it. Yeah, yeah. I have to say, like, if I don't put these out now, they'll yeah. never come out. It's kind of like improvising. I mean, it is improvising, but even like musically improvising. Like I always wish that I was the kind of musician that could just speak through my instrument in real time, and you know, improvise it. Yeah. Like it seems like it would be the most satisfying thing. I wish I could just walk into a room with my guitar, or sit down with the trio, and speak. Yeah, podcast is a little closer to that because I (laughs) really can speak. I don't know what we're first. I guess we're rolling already. Yeah, we're rolling. No idea what we're talking about, and that's that's so exciting. I know. I love it. I just love being in real time. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And it's it's literally like this is where when I asked you this morning, I was like, hey, or or last night, I was like, hey, you want a podcast while you're here in town? Because last time we didn't get to, and Mm -hmm. whenever I go up to Seattle, we never meet up because I'm always so busy with what I, I literally up there for like a quick trip or have the kids. Mm -hmm. So I was like, man, we should do this. And then we literally made it happen. Like you guys go on in an hour and we're in my expedition out front of the venue chatting. I love it. So, I mean, the, the, the editing thing too, you're talking about, like, I can't, I can't worry myself with that stuff. Like I have a guy in DC that, um, will do stuff. If I have a a fucked up recording, Uh like, oh man, uh. I doubled myself here or whatever. That doesn't happen mm-hmm. anymore, but he could fix it. You know what I mean? Where it's And it's something where you with music, one thing I've noticed is you're very analytical, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I've known you for so long. And just watching you back then, watching your process from being on stage to, to uh, writing music, I mean, just watching you noodle around on guitar, the way you know how to go, where you want to go. Oh, you want this to have this feel? Okay. Yeah, and you I can a, do that. Yeah, yeah. I have a lang- – I mean, I have an internal vocabulary of – this feeling is this thing, and I've analyzed it and named it in my own head and yeah. ac- try to access it. It's not the same thing as pure expression. Yeah. It's just not. I yeah. mean, I admire people that – Billie Holiday, just somebody uh, – uh, John Coltrane or something. They just express themselves. Yeah, they I'm so emote. envious of that. I study, learn, build a vocabulary, and then put it together in real time <laughs> the best I can. But it's not. I don't really think of it as pure. But, yeah, I have to know how something works or I'm, I can't do it. I just can't. Yeah. I had to fully understand something or I'm nothing. Sure. You know? Well, Matt Carter, I, you'll be in the, I'll intro you and everything in the, in the show, <laughs> but that's why I like to just roll because yeah, it just kind of yeah. happens naturally, but you're one of the most fascinating guys I've ever known. <laughs> and this is, and I say this with all, all truth from, from the way you analyze things to the way you act, to the way you create to, it seems like you can kind of just take something and whether you know how to do it or not, you can figure it out. And that's one thing with music. The, the, how we know each other uh, mm-hmm. from touring, but with podcasting, how then watching you go into podcasting before I even really knew what it was. I uh-huh. just saw it on Facebook or something. You guys had a podcast. So I started checking it out. I was like, wow, really doing this, yeah. you know, and, and you figured it out. Yeah. And now you're a very successful podcaster. You've got other podcasts you're consulting for. Uh, you started a podcast network mm-hmm. with Mike Mowry, uh, which this show is on. Mm-hmm. Our shows are on. I mean, you just dive in. I mean, you have so much planning involved, but at the same time, you just kind of go by the seat of your pants, it seems oh, like. Yeah. I mean, you you go by the seat of your pants, and then you get a plan. Like, the, you act first, maybe think Maybe there's almost. a plan. Uh, well, 
I, I kind of feel like I'm driven by interest and motivation. Well, really, a stimulation that drives me. Like, if something's stimulating, I will stay focused on it, in, either for four hours in a row or all day long or for nine months in a row. If I'm obsessed with it, then I'll figure it out. Not because I have natural talent, just... I just is kind of wide-eyed pay attention to what interests me and whatever is going to grip my attention for long enough. I think that's true about anybody, though. I don't think I just have to have, It's weird because I kind of maybe have what you'd call long attention spans. But whatever my long attention span fixes on or anybody else, it'll figure out. Like when I was in school as a kid, it, people would say I'm hyper or ADD mm-hmm. and I should take Ritalin and he's never going to. You know, that was the situation with me in school. And they would tell, for instance, they'd tell my mom that he can't focus. He doesn't listen, you know, all this yeah. stuff. And my mom got, when I was like eight years old, my mom brought home Brief History of Time, Stephen Hawking movie. And it's pretty long and it's all theoretical physics with yeah. some narrative, whatever, to it. And she said, I didn't move a muscle, like laser beam focus on that because it was just very interesting yeah and that's just all it is if something's interesting i could i can do it for 16 hours in a row if it's interesting to me if it's not i can't do it for 16 seconds in a row but (laughs) if you take that and that might be extreme but everybody can focus on something and the question to me isn't are you talented at this or do you really want to do this the question is if you're still doing this whatever it is in five years well you'll be great at it yeah if there's something you're passionate about today and you still are in X amount of time from now, well, of course you're going to be good at it. Yeah. That has nothing to do with natural talent, though. Yeah. It's just, and it's not if you put in the time because you're a grinder. I don't, it's not that. Yeah. It's just, I can't, if you can't help it and you pay attention, you'll get good yeah. at anything. Yeah. And that's, uh, maybe that's not true of everybody, but that's seems, I mean, that's just the way I look at stuff. Yeah. Is. Well, I mean, the, the way you write music, too, is very, I mean, you understand what you want to get across mm-hmm. versus, I think, from hearing you talk about it through podcasting and seeing you live and knowing you so long, it seems like you can just kind of get, I want a song to sound like this instead of I'm just playing guitar and there's a song. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for I sure. want a song that's going to sound but, like this, so I'm going to sit down and make it. Well, that seems, to me, that seems normal. I'm surprised to you that's not everybody's process. Yeah, see, that's what's, yeah. that's why you're <laughs> yeah, fascinated. Yeah. God damn it, because that's not, that's well, not the way me, it is. it's all vocabulary. It's like, I want it to be, feel like... <sighs> Let's see if I can be specific because I hate when people are vague in podcasting. So let's say I wanted a song that was uh, like a certain amount of melancholy. I would cross-reference in my mind melancholy songs. Yeah. And I would think of what they had in common. Yep. And then I would not try to copy them but, you know, try to put together a string of of, uh, things that they had in common. Uh But, you know, there's a little bit of room for creativity, but it's mostly analytical. It's not that expressive. It's like I like this. I like this certain song by Further Seems Forever that captured that thing that I was looking for. Yeah. But then I'll change the key and the time signature and the chord progression, but still keep the vibe of it. But I'll, I'll do that very analytically. Yeah. So it's slightly. It's only slightly creative, really. Yeah, but see, but with other people that create. They a lot of them go off feeling right. and everything else. They they get that at the well, same I'm not big time. On that. See, that's what that, that's what I'm saying. This ties it back in because the way and you joke about on the podcast how Matt has no feelings yeah. and doesn't feel like a kind of a sociopath, but that's also fascinating to me because you're in a creative industry mm-hmm. where a lot of people really emote. Whereas you take it from an analytical standpoint and uh-huh. you know the building blocks of it, which is why you'd be so good in the trades. 
but you you have this mechanical way of thinking about it which is interesting because you make this music that that so many people take from it and make it a part of their own. Well, you know what I mean? Where but they, not, not not by myself. I don't do that. No, I, I have to have an expressive partner. Correct. To, but you really you design it. that music. Yeah, that music is That's designed, right. which is interesting. I engineer and arrange. Yeah. for other people to complete or fit. I mean, a lot of times I'm trying to create what I hear another person feeling. That's actually yeah. really what I'm doing a lot of times. I'm saying Toby wants a song to feel heavy but awkward. Okay. Yeah. I've got a vocab. I know how to do that. Yeah. Is this it? Are you right? And I know if I can set up the pins right, an expressive person or somebody with a, a different vision or whatever can come and knock it dead or collaborate. Some stuff's my idea and some stuff's other people's idea. Yeah. But for sure, when I hear other people explaining what they're feeling, mm-hmm. I've got I've got language and vocabulary for that. I know what I know what they want. Yeah. Basically, it's, yeah. it's insane to me. Like yeah. it just having that understanding and and how they you know they joke Matt has no feelings and all that stuff, but. You've been through some crazy stuff in the last few years, and mm-hmm. you've become a father. Mm-hmm. I mean, how – I wanted to ask you this because knowing how your mind works somewhat. Like, I understand how your mind works. I don't know how it works. Uh-huh. I kind of get it. When you became a father, what feelings overcame – did feelings overcome you when you first laid eyes on Or is it more no, like, I have like, to love this child now, kind of like more the mechanics, like this no, comes no. next, this comes next. No, what was that like for you? None of that is accurate at all. It's okay, like, okay. So, so have you heard everybody else say when they have a kid, it's like their life changed, there's a special moment. There, well, I just think that, to me, that doesn't resonate whatsoever. Uh, to me, but I've, I mean, I love kids. I was excited to have kids. I've always wanted to have kids. Yeah. I feel like I care about things and love things, and I love my kid and was excited about it, but I cannot. I mean, it. I am overwhelmed with fascination about my children. Uh-huh. That's I'm. That there's. I mean, you know, music's interesting. Science is interesting. My own DNA being put together with my wife's output, and then l- watching them learn <laughs> is. I, I couldn't be more. In, naturally engaged with that yeah. is the way I feel about it. Like, okay. my, it's not hard to, I mean, yeah, of course I love, I mean, Alex, you can say I love my child or whatever, but it's not, I mean, it's, it's a real pure fascination for me. Like, uh, of course it's amazing. It's like yeah. the most fascinating situation ever to watch your offspring or the product of your DNA and your wife's learn and grow and do stuff. That is just never going to get old like, yeah. it's fascinating I, I, it's easy for me to focus on and i love it okay. is the way i would explain how that's I feel an about interesting take on it yeah. that's a very interesting take on it and i knew it would be <laughs> but, <laughs> but but the other thing too with you is that's so fascinating to me is with your analytical mind and your i mean you use logic so much that you're you're a christian mm-hmm. and that's something where you've talked about it before you said i don't know why i believe this shit but mm-hmm. i do yep do you remember when it clicked for you that you were a Christian, do you oh, remember? Shit, do we? I'm, I want to go into this because okay. I do not understand mm-hmm. how you're a Christian, and I don't mean this in a in a, in <laughs> well, a, in a lot of people way. think I'm not one. I don't mean I don't mean this in <laughs> many a, people would suggest to you that I am not one. I do not understand how your mind goes that direction with the amount of science and the mm-hmm. amount of knowledge that you have. I mean, just literally science alone, how the world works, uh-huh. it makes no sense to me. I've been. I grew up in rural South, obviously, yeah. but uh, I've been debating evolution with people since I was six or eight mm-hmm. years old. I mean, me in favor of 
evolution, of course. But okay. where I grew up, that just sounds like satanic talk. Yeah. Um, so it's never been the natural. Well, oh shit. Now this is a long story. I don't want it to be long winded here. I when I I grew up in the rural South where uh, religion was just that's just all it is. It's yeah. Bible Belt. It's whatever. Um, I assumed really early on that this Christianity stuff was not for me mm-hmm. in the way that you're analyzing correctly now yeah. that this mm-mm. and i thought that well i'm just gonna figure out enough stuff and then i'll be able to drop this but my yeah. parents take me and everybody else in my school goes here but it's mm-hmm. clearly nonsense it yeah. was the point of view that i had uh, on it and i just thought once i surely once i understand like science and stuff when i'm like older like a teenager i'll be able to explain all this away i just felt like it was a matter of getting enough knowledge to not have to do this mm-hmm. goofy religion stuff um when I was about 16 years old, I had a spiritual experience or mm-hmm. encounter with God or whatever. Um, and like I said, a lot of people wouldn't necessarily say I'm a Christian in the way that they think that I should be. But, uh, I mean, I had a, I don't, a, a subjective, of course, spiritual experience, encounter with God, whatever. And I was like, no way. No. No, surely not. Yeah. This is not happening right now. It was just kind of the, yeah. the, the way I was feeling because I didn't really believe in it. Yeah. You know, I was go to church camp or whatever. And I was just astonished that this experience happened. I was like, well, I got to, this I have to figure out. <laughs> you know? yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. Said, I was like, because there's something that just happened. I don't know what it is. So I suppose it's that bi- this Bible stuff that I've discounted in my, because I didn't really grow my parents were—we went to just like a mainline Presbyterian church, so it wasn't actually that fundamentalist. I didn't actually mm-hmm. grow up. My parents are not that way. Um, they were more liberal, really, for for the rural South at least. And so, but I was like, became Bible obsessed at the next moment when well, my parents weren't. Like, if you ask my parents, if they believe in like Revelation or Jesus coming back, they'd be like, I don't think so. Yeah, that's what my parents are like. Yeah, um, which is not usual. But I, I was like, yeah, but I think there might really be something in in here because i had this experience and i was i knew i was purely skeptical or fully skeptical before that experience happened yeah and then that was enough to make me go well better investigate this so you know this is not a good real testimony overall because when i get you up to 2018 the things i believe are not really in line with evangelical christianity whatsoever anymore but i have spent the time between then and now trying to fucking get a grip on what is actually there or on the other side and what amount of the Bible and that stuff is true because it's clearly mostly nonsense stuff that people put on top of it but yeah. you know I've, I've spent the last 20 years thinking about but what is true here and I tried a, a, a lot of stuff and was part of some uh, evangelical churches and, mm-hmm. and very serious authoritarian churches and I've tried everything Yeah, and I'm out and I've had a bunch of experiences spiritual experiences through that process Mm -hmm. and now i'm almost 40 years old and i still can't shake that stuff that has happened to me Mm -hmm. but i've also on at the same time never found and have at this point abandoned the notion that there are other spiritual christian leaders and denominations that actually know Mm -hmm. no there's not Uh, unfortunately i i've discovered or (laughs) from my point of view there's not anybody that knows what they're talking about yeah Except for, I'm not able to shake. There's something, and okay. that's that's where I'm at today. Like, I'd still believe there's something because it it that that's not explainable. 
and mm-hmm. is spiritual. And to me, and maybe if there's my cultural reference or where I'm from, I really do feel like there's a real something about the God of the the Bible in a general way and, and Jesus. I think there's something there. I'm okay. still not able to. I've not been able to eliminate it. Okay. But I have pretty much eliminated all forms of modern American Christianity from being really worth sure. much. They're not. I don't think they really. It's not like if you find the right church and denomination, you'll. It's going to make sense because it, it yeah. doesn't seem to. Because there's a big difference between yeah. spirituality and religion. Yeah. Where Mark Twain, yeah. I think, said, "What do you so. say when the religion began? When the first commandment, the first." Yeah, school, I mean, like, most it's you know it's there's good, well-intentioned people and not well-intentioned people, but there's not like the whole thing thrives on. Well, there's somebody that knows more than you, and you just need to listen to them. And mm-hmm. that that I I I don't have don't share that opinion. Like, okay, I'm not saying I know everything, but yeah. You know, I, I you know I'm, what you know. I I yeah. know there's something, and I've kind of abandoned the notion that it's able to be figured out exactly, or that somebody other human knows it is not very likely. Okay, but I'm not purely materialist. Okay. I mean, I'm more. I'm basically I operate uh, with uh, like in a scientific realm of I go by uh, degrees of certainty. We're very certain about gravity. Mm-hmm. Maybe not 100 percent. Maybe 99.999. You know, we get that. Yeah, evolution is clearly, obviously the case and the only thing that operates quantum theory does what it does and even though we don't understand it it makes predictions that we trust Mm -hmm. right well spirituality and religion there's none of that yeah you can't don't i don't even pretend like you can make predictions or prove anything there because you cannot yeah so i do not hold that in the same way that i hold science okay however i still don't think i'm not purely materialist okay and I've been curious about that for a long time yeah. with you because getting to know you better over the last few years, I mean, getting to know you again, mm-hmm. I guess, because we, you know, we met 2004, 2003, you know, hung out on tour, did mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, kind of kept in touch here and there. And then getting into podcasting together, mm-hmm. kind of, uh, well, not together, but me coming into podcasting later and hooking up with you and Jabberjaw, like we were in contact more and doing, you know, conference calls and just listening to you speak and just remembering what I remember about how you operate it just mm-hmm. it didn't make sense to me in any way and i wanted to ask you about it because of that and i don't mean it in a dis- discriminatory discriminatory no, no, way fine. or anything but i was just curious you know how you got to that point and it's almost embarrassing to admit that i believe in spiritual stuff to be honest because I, I, I can't really defend it with anything empirical or, or yeah. explanatory or anything so well it makes sense to go one way or the other i mean yeah. neither way can be explained so yeah. in, in a way that is 100 percent. you know it's like so. degrees of confidence though it's like yeah. even i mean scientific theories people you just have it's great when you know when relativity supersedes newtonian physics that's yeah. great like yeah. everybody's happy about that it's not and religion doesn't do that and that's why you can that's why you can you know it's just not you know religion says there was authoritarian rev- revelation at some point in the past and all we can do is try to understand it mm-hmm. and that's i don't know about that that's not good because all it can do is get worse and less or misinterpreted really like there's not answers coming yeah. there whereas with you know, most learning and stuff like rational. I mean, rationality is actually more important to me than science, mm-hmm. I would say. But rationality means you continually update the evidence until you understand deeper and more. Mm-hmm. And religion is not, it's not like if we work harder at it, we're going to get more answers. It doesn't seem sure. that that's the case. So, yeah, you know. Well, you mean you've, you're doing interesting things. You're with the Bad Christian Podcast, um, Break It Down Podcast. Mm-hmm. Like you've been in the podcast world for a while now. 
Um, the one thing I really find interesting about the Bad Christian Podcast and me not being a Christian listening to the show is the your take on things. Mm-hmm. Like the guys are going off more like a, not sentimental, but more of like a, uh, I don't know the word for it, with Toby and, Toby and Joey are both very... Uh, they're more poetic and like uh, sentimental with with the way they they view spirituality. It seems like uh-huh. their feelings, and then you come in with this, just yeah, like yeah, yeah. boom, put the curtain down. <laughs> Here we go, guys. This is why that's happening, and this is why that's happening. That's always so interesting to me. Well, you, know? you had to give it your best shot there. Like, I mean, it just seems unethical to not be. Oh, I mean, uh, you know, it's just skepticism, yeah. really, which people confuse skepticism and cynicism a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think to be cynical is just to be negative. But I don't find myself to be negative i'm skeptical i'm looking for what's the fault so that we can overcome it and then move forward and be certain as much as is possible and be honest about where it's not possible and then you have to make your best guesses and i go by the numbers on that as best i can and you don't hold on to things like if something is either not of interest or you you rule it out it's gone and you're on to the next thing like if you can if i need this this, this. but you have to be very careful before you rule something out you need to really have a high degree of certainty before Mm -hmm. you lock that off from your mind to move on. Yeah. And you need to be very, very thorough. But you're very decisive yeah. because you're able to do that. Well, once Let's you see. have that, then you're, you know, you don't want to be wrong a minute longer than you have to, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. it's like if, if uh, I don't know who said this, but somebody said, or it's, it's common in rational thinkers to say something along the lines of anything, any idea or notion that can be destroyed by the truth should be, mm-hmm. you know, like general, in general, I find people including me to be way too defensive that's a human quality yeah so try to recognize when you're being defensive because you're not getting at when you're being defensive truth is not your goal exactly like that's obviously yeah. not what's going on it's like defending yourself which is a completely reasonable impulse it's, yeah. it's a survival impulse fight or fight man right but once you go wait a minute i'm being defensive what would it look like if i was trying to be right mm-hmm. okay well do that if and if you have the ability to cool down, think, and do that, which I don't. I mean, there's a lot of times I don't. Then that clearly would be the, the rational thing to do, but it's sure. not the easy thing to do. Sure. Yeah. But that's something that where you guys have identified, you know, a good amount of what you want to do with this podcast. You've gotten some pushback, I'm sure, from from evangelicals on on oh, the yeah, Bad I mean. Christian podcast. You know, just speaking your mind about your feelings on church and everything else, and I I find that view the the way you guys have presented that on the Bad Christian podcast is fascinating to me. You know, as being outside of it, I mean, I'm fascinated by it because I'm just like, wow, that makes you know, that makes some sense. Mm-hmm. You know, what you're, what you're, you're basically challenging all these views that have been around forever. Yeah, and that's not things religious people hate that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you're 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 giving hope to people that that are on board with it. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's something that's important. I mean, well, have you not ever been in a, a, a situation or a group or been around a thing where you're like, wait a second, I don't think this makes sense, but everybody else is just going along with it. I wonder if they feel the way I feel. Have you ever? I mean, it I, was have raised, to be, I was raised Mormon. I have, but, been but it doesn't even have to be spiritual. It could be like a bunch of people. They're all pretending like like they like the restaurant that they chose. Oh yeah, you know, dude, like you, you've, corporate you retail tell, world, man. Right, you can, can tell. Oh my god, you can just tell when it's like, oh, I think everybody's just going along here because nobody's willing to either say the truth mm-hmm. or explore it or ask the harder questions. Yep. But that would, if you looked at it objectively, that's all you'd ever want for any group, like. Any, that's what everybody needs to be doing, but it's, it's not easy. But when you recognize it, you know, groups have to, I think of it this way, groups need to police themselves. Yep. 
it's just the way it has to be done. And have, people have to ask, that, you know, that's what we want for anything. It was what we would want for uh, the Muslim religion, mm-hmm. for instance. Like, I'm not, I don't need to tell them what to do. Yeah. But they need to get their shit together in some way, saying, yeah. tell each other what they think and ask the tough questions. And, and you know, everybody needs to be updating their points of view all the time. Sure. With everything. Yeah. Or we're all in some kind of danger at some point. Exactly. Whether it be the restaurant you go to or what happens with civilization. Yeah. I mean, you got to. It's hard, yeah. but you got to try to figure it out for well, real. We were talking about some of civilization know? I want to touch on here in a minute but at, at dinner tonight. Yeah. But, but uh, one thing when you brought that up about if I've been in that situation, working for Target in the corporate side, uh-huh. Target has two very basic business models. One is we're going to charge a little bit more because we do not want Walmart's clientele shopping here. Mm-hmm. We want to appeal to soccer moms and blah, blah, blah. The other one is they hire straight out of college because they're going to pay these people you know, 50K a year straight out of college to be an assistant manager because mm-hmm. we know when we put down a directive, they're not going to question it. The people that have been managers for 50 oh, years no. and want to come in and work here, yeah. they'll say no to this. They will not just try something every time we throw yeah. it down. And it's worked time and time again. They literally bring them in out of college and they say, this is the way we're going to do it. So like, um, yeah, guys, we're going to do it this way because they don't understand. Wait, is that good or bad that they don't It's good for Target because it. they can put down a directive and implement it and try it out. Uh-huh. Because the people that work there that aren't management see the flaws in the plan, uh-huh. like this isn't going to work because of this, and there's pushback. If they have a whole fleet of management out there that will just say yes because, hey, they're paying us good money, and it sounds like a good idea, it literally flushes it right down, and they can try it out and pull it back if they want. They don't have that pushback. You know what I'm saying? Where like my dad was a retail manager for 20-some years. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't even interview him. Yeah, they don't because want that. Because he doesn't right have a college degree. But it, but is it is it that's functional and works for Target though? Yeah, you know. Yeah, and you see but the, anyone but the, I work the with? The people there? they hire aren't doing. Are you saying they're 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 conformist sheep that do whatever the people say, or it's good that they're not jaded from? I, I'm I'm lost on that. They are basically just a a, a voice box. They're mm-hmm. just like Target says this. That's my job. But, I'm going to go out and do this. But that allows Target to. Tr- Try new things exactly, yeah, and, so it, and that does ultimately them. work. Yeah. Yes, even though those managers themselves are more like pawns. By the time they start to come around and realize what's going on, they're already either a store manager uh-huh. and paid a lot more, or they're onto somewhere else, working for Amazon, working for Google. Yeah, I mean, ninety percent of the people there are gone within three years. Yeah, and even in a managerial position, but that's kind of the same thing. We would go out on these trips and these meetings, and literally, it was it was. The same thing you're saying, where it's just herd mentality. Like, no one wanted to say anything against anything unless mm-hmm. it was the district manager. I see. Well, I feel this way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, oh, everyone's just trying to be on brand and everything else. It's, well, it's that's horrifying. a disturbing quality about humans. <laughs> I, I say this, I've said this a, a decent amount of times, but that scene in the Avengers movie, the first one where Loki starts telling all the people how people are sheep mm-hmm. and they meant to be ruled and all that, like, he's that's just so dead on. Yeah. I mean, it's just so dead on. Like, I love that scene in that movie. I just feel like that is so accurate and true. And he's supposed to be being the bad guy, but he's just kind of telling like it actually really is. I mean, I think that really resonates kind of thing. It's just, and I don't know if we cultivate, I mean, it's obviously just that way. And I think we make it worse with our education system and, the you know, people coming out of college that thought that got, what do those people get a business degree, a marketing degree? They don't. I mean that the thing about college almost is like it's not so much that you learned a lot it's that you've demonstrated that you're willing to play games to get to a x y and z place and yeah. that's good for people that 
want to hire you. It teaches you how to research yeah. and how to find answers on your own. That's and, all it well, teaches it teaches you how to like comply is, is yeah. what I'm saying. It it's, teaches you how to do what somebody else is going to want you to do to get what you want. And I, I don't really like that. You know, like, yeah. that's not, that to me feels not good. Sure. But, you know, this is, our systems kind of really are built around thriving on, you know, conformity, yeah. for, for lack of a better word. Get it done and, yeah, you get it done cheap. It's it's crazy, but we were talking. And people about, like to conform, though. Is they, yeah, they just want to be told what to do. They that they, they like that, you yeah. know, kind of thing. It's it's messy being out in the world that I, that I'm in. Yeah. It's scary, but it's stimulating. I don't know. I mean, well, you're making your own way too. Yeah. You're doing everything yourself. You don't work for anybody, really. Yeah. I mean, you do you, and you haven't. That's what's cool is is you know Emery in the heyday where everything was really like people were still buying records, and you know you could uh-huh. make money from music in conventional ways as it was and then to now where everything's changed you guys have adapted and continued and then with the podcast stuff and all these things you're doing i mean you've been working for years i mean it's it's i can only imagine how tired you are well you're saying that because what all i can hear when you're saying that is i guess you're right but that means i have to do it again like you know what i'm saying like this whatever i'm doing now it's gonna be for a a relatively short period. I'm not going to exactly. retire podcasting on the Bad Christian Podcast sure. with income. That is yeah. certainly not going to happen. That All that means is I'm going to have to pick up some other... <laughs> I mean, I have to start from scratch again soon on something else. You know what I mean? That's will. exhausting sounding. But you will. I don't That's know the if thing. I will. You will. Uh, maybe I'll go straight. I'm not going to see you. I'm not going to see you on the streets. I'm going to go in the trades. I'm going to go in the trades next. Dude, I'll get you in. I'll get you in. I'm <laughs> talking know. to Toby about it. Yeah. He always says, hey, if I was just a plumber, and I was like, dude, here's what plumbers make, Toby. <laughs> and he's know. like, well, are you serious? It's like, yeah, with pension and right. benefits. He's no, like, it's no. So crazy. It's like, dude, you got to stop saying hey, if I was just a plumber. Well, I see that plumber, I passed a sign yesterday that said, you know, qual- uh, licensed electrician starting at $50 an hour yeah. in Seattle. Just, you know, the signs are up. Like, yep. man, could I do that? Like, yeah. you know, I do electrical work at my house now. Yeah. I, I'm not licensed, of course, and nor do I get inspected. But I, I know how to do some of the basic yep. work, so that's my fallback is just something to trade. Because I like mechanical stuff. You yeah. like you said at the beginning. To me, everything's mechanical. That yeah. is the frame that I'm looking at it from. Sure. So understanding, uh, like when I I do I do woodwork and electrical as a hobby. Mm-hmm. That is the way I do those. I, I like to build and design mechanical things just as a hobby. You yeah, know? and it's helpful around the house, of course, and stuff. But. Well, I mean, you you support a family on your creative output. I mean, it's it's impressive. Well, I it really that. is. I mean, and I, I say that just because I've watched you do it for 20 years. Well, I appreciate it. You know, you're still sitting here in my car right now, mm-hmm. completely self-employed. Yeah, but you're again. You, know? you give me anxiety about. Well, I, what I don't are, mean to. that doesn't. I, I mean, uh, what's next? I mean, what are we gonna? <laughs> surely we're not gonna be doing this in the future. I don't know, dude. Who knows? It's the wild <laughs> west. Dan Carlin said it, dude. It's the wild west. Well, I, you know, there's something to that thing where you know I've been thinking about where people, when they get older, they want to like mentor people mm-hmm. or something, and I've always thought I don't love the way that is because it sounds like. Well, if you know how to do this stuff and you're going to teach people, why aren't you just still doing it? And so I wonder, am I? It, it, would it be soft to go into like consulting or teaching or cult, coaching or managing other talent, or will I actually be able to be some type of artist and talent when I'm I'm forty? You know, young, next man. year, and I mean, will I still be able to be something that was would be considered an artist when I'm fifty? I did. I, I don't. Oh yeah. Yeah, maybe. 
Dude. But I, I'm not, I haven't thought that far. I don't. don't I do to. not have a plan. You don't need to. So. I think if you thought that far, you'd be terrified. Okay. Well, then I'll because I'll right just now keep on <laughs> you don't have that plan. Yeah. So like you would be terrified. Like saying that what's next brings you anxiety. Keep doing what you're doing because you're. I mean, you're, it's, it's working. Well, I'll take that. You're making it working. You know, yeah. you're you're doing it, and that's something that's just been overwhelmingly, you know, in, inspirational on my end. Uh, even coming into podcasting and shit like that, like, well, Matt's doing it. I, I should give it a shot. And then here we are. And now we're, and it's taken this long to get you on the show, but I'm so glad it did because we've got so much more to talk about. Yeah, man. Being around that much longer, you know what I mean? But tonight at dinner, we're talking, or what were you going to say? I was, I was just going to ask you, how did you prepare for this particular, I'm interested in your preparation. For this episode? Yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been, I have been developing a narrative in my mind since I started the show about having you on and what we would talk about. And it's all these little things that I've kept in the back of my yeah. mind, like religion and the way you you process things how you write music you know how you're actually literally like coordinating music versus writing music you know what i mean where Mm -hmm. the way you the way your mind works and you know listening to your episodes of break it down uh bad christian podcast you know things like that that's how i prepared like this one i knew i would never have notes for it yeah those notes would be stupid because it's going to change all the time but then even tonight just at dinner we were talking about this app that toby had on his phone yeah and you're instantly go into what could happen with this app where it's you know making your eyes move and mouths move and then yeah. talking about how we're basically going to be in a beta test the rest of our life. We are the beta we test. We are the beta yeah. test. I mean, these kind of things. So it would just constantly change. Like I'd have a list of 10 things in my head that would then three would get pushed out and three more would come in. Yeah. So, well, I've not had that thought until I saw that app. That's what was cool about it because we were both sitting at the table and it just happened. And mm-hmm. I was like, dude, we need to talk about this because you've talked about before how our kids, you know, I have two littles mm-hmm. as you do as well. And then I have one going into college. So she's already, you know, been through it, blah, blah, blah. The littles may never drive a car. No, I don't think they will. And you flat out said that. And I thought about it for a second. I was like, that's ridiculous. And I was like, wait a minute. No, I don't think how they fast things are progressing. Like it's getting like exponentially faster that yeah georgia probably won't drive a car probably probably won't drive a car i mean somebody her age will but if you live in a major if a city like seattle in 10 15 years it's not kids already don't get drivers they don't seem to care about driver's license like i did and i just think it's very low likelihood they'll they'll drive well and with this with this preparation question too like the way I would do it with a regular podcast of a guest I didn't know, or someone maybe I did know, I'd write down two pages of notes, mm-hmm. do all this research, whatever, just to, to for due diligence, and I would usually just set them on the dash and not use them. But with you, I mean, just working with you with podcasting, how you're like, you know, I just need three things to talk about. I can talk for an hour and a half. I thought about that, and I was like, you know, he's right. Like, you, if you have three main talking points, you could literally go on for however long. Yeah. And that completely changed the way I started doing the show because I would just be like, I'd prep stuff and then I'd have like in in bold three things mm-hmm. that I wanted to get to. And that, it changed everything. Well, that's, that's good to hear. Which is, I, I find it, know. I think it's on, on one end, I think that is a lazy method. I've been trying to think about what would it look like if I actually spent, you know, four hours preparing for one hour interview mm-hmm. of r- diligent attentional where I, I don't really ever do that i'm yeah. trying to build it on being present and improv like that that's exactly. kind of what i've been trying to do but now that i think i've got that kind of under control like me and you sit here and do this two hours i won't leave you hanging it's not going to be dead air or nothing yeah like, we, this won't that wouldn't be hard but 
what if I really did? I'm kind of a thinking through that. Like, what if I actually pretended like I really cared and was really going to do it? Like, I do a lot of stuff and think, well, but I didn't even hardly prepare. So, of course, it was good. Yeah. But that's lazy. What would it be like if I dedicated something to to a craft or something even more? And yeah. I think there's a lot more that, that, that could be done. But let's talk about the app, though. Well, real quick, when you when you say that, when when you go and have a conversation with somebody, like you run into someone in the venue there, you end mm-hmm. up talking to for twenty minutes. You didn't prep for that, of course not. It's natural. You do it all. It's day. humans conversing. Right. We're reading each other right, right now. Right. Body language, everything. Yeah. It, there's so much shit going on. That's right exactly now, right. Which is why I love in person, by the way, versus phone, because yeah. you don't get that body language. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Anyway, but that's why I don't think it's lazy. I think it's real. Yeah. It's lazy if you think about it in a business sense, like a job interview. Yeah. But not as a conversation, you know. No, that's what we're bringing to people: that's is right. that's fly true. on the wall. There's someone sitting in the back seat there listening to us, hiding out, you know. But this app, yes, this app. I just didn't, I wanted to tell people what it was, and it's it's actually new in my mind to think about it that way. But you know, how people do the apps where you put bunny ears on and you can smile and it smiles, or whatever. Just the little stuff like that. Obviously, you know, they've got that. But Toby just had this app where he took a still picture of me. And it's making my, it's really getting, I mean, of course, this is not surprising. We've been heading this way for a long time, but it's yeah. starting to get really good at how it can manipulate my face into making it do, make it facial expressions that are very believable that I never made. I didn't make those expressions. And it, that I find that very disturbing. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm what I would consider almost in the category of transhumanist is really way I, th- I, wherever we're going with technology, I accept the fact we're, we're all, we're going yeah. and there, it may transcend humans and be better than that. Cause humans are pretty flawed overall. Yeah. So I'm all in. Yeah. However, some of the stuff that's going to happen in the near future is just going to be very uncanny and terrifying. And this is, I'm, you know, we're going to see some really nasty shit soon, I, yeah. I, I feel like. And this is the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> Everybody else is going, isn't that funny that it makes your mouth move? It makes you look like you were saying something you didn't say. or It's actually spitting out words now and saying no and making you make a negative face that it's analyzed mm-hmm. a billion pictures of to know yeah. how to make every nuanced thing generated in real time on a new face that it sees and that's it's just going to blur the lines of reality so much there's going to be we're going to be in vr we're going to be looking at apps and you're not going to be able to tell what's real and not real you're just not going to be able to tell yeah and that's going to be a very i mean that's just you know like not being able to know what's real is fundamentally disturbing that that's not a comfortable position for a human to be that disoriented about reality yeah and we're just going right at it exactly and everybody else thinks Full it's funny bore. yeah and it's it, we're gonna have to develop all the new manners and etiquette and i don't think that's gonna be able to or or not even that just safety and we're not gonna be able to keep up somebody's gonna send and then you know he does it he t- <laughs> took a picture of dave's newborn that is yes. two months old and made it smile and say stuff and Uh it looks real and that is just just it's just i was just like you didn't ask permission to do that to dave's daughter is the way i felt when i saw it like this isn't you're violating to me you're violating something there but here we go i mean it's not i don't think outlaw it i mean we're gonna have to embrace it plunge headlong into it and figure it out but that's that's very disturbing yeah you know somebody's going to send a your enemy very soon in middle school is going to send a porno of you and your <laughs> classmates to your grandma. Yeah, yeah. 
This is I was laughing. They're just, that's what's going to happen. It. I mean, it's not yeah. going to be hard for anybody to do that soon, and you'll be sorry that that happened. Of course, but it, here we go. That's yeah. all I'm saying. It's you know. crazy, I, you, and we'll go past that. And I, I'm an optimist o- overall about humanity and civilization and technology. I am. Yeah. But I just I'm kind of nervous at this moment that you and I live the rest of our lives in a pretty deep, uncanny valley. Yeah. And it's, eventually it'll get figured out after we're gone. That was an interesting point that our the rest of our lives are going to be a beta test because yeah. the, the technology is going to be so infantile in what our kids are going to see that we're going to have like the messed up texting robots like you were talking about where everything's just kind of jarring and not quite there yet. Like yeah. We're still like working the kinks out. And it, well, you know when they horrifying. made the electrical grid, how many people just died because they didn't understand electricity? Yeah. But we're glad they did it. We had to get through that or whatever. But sure. this one, this bridge we're about to cross is crazier than that yeah and we're going to be the test subjects of course so dude and that's something that's yeah it's it's terrifying i try not to think about it but i also need to think about it because i'm raising kids in it yeah oh the same as when when the cars came out how many people got hit by cars they had no idea what they were just whatever i mean of course of course that doesn't mean that i'm all for it it's inevitable. Let's go. Yeah. But get ready. No seatbelts, the sharp knobs that people yeah. would hit. And, and they would oh, just, people Jesus got killed all the Christ. time. And the Industrial Revolution happened. And it's just like, oh, shit. Like, we made a billion mistakes till yeah. we figured it out. But this is, the stakes are higher yeah. here. And here we go. Did you guys ever play Furnace Fest down at the Sloss Furnaces? Yes, all those amazing. people that died yeah. in there. Oh, my God. That's a whole other podcast. That's one of the coolest but, places ever. Uh, dude. Well, let's talk about a little bit here with, I, I want to throw this on there because this will come out in a few weeks, but. The new Emory record, mm-hmm. you guys, as of right now, here at the Analog in Portland, you guys have finished drums, mm-hmm. vocals on eight songs, yep. and it'll be done, it'll be out later this year. Yep, it'll be out in the fall. Is it, is anything changing on this record? Is it like a, I mean, the records have progressed, but is there new things you're trying on this record? I mean, you're not producing it. I can tell you the pro, yeah, me not producing it is a big step. Um, it's also... Well, look, I, I don't mean that the, uh, the guy that is producing it is named Chris, and he plays in the band now. He was in the band. He's in the band Surrogate, and he was in the band Number One Gun, and he's he's just is just great. I'm so happy working with him. I have no problem turning over the engineering reins to him and and tracking and all that. I trust like uh, I'm more hands off the older I get. Yeah, that's the skill I've been really working on is not being a control freak because mm. the type of way I have, I want to think about every kick drum velocity and where the timing is of it and what where it fits in the pattern and then what the when does the bass sync with it and was the I just like that. Yeah. I like to babysit the tuning on each note of the vocals. I like it. But I can't do it. I'm not doing it. It's relatively counterproductive at this point. And so I'm I try to grow the skill of being hands off and not a control freak because that's not good it doesn't yeah. doesn't work in our organizations and businesses to make things bottleneck with me although it feels good from time to time yeah. to be in control sure. so i work hard to let go of that but i turn it all over to chris not to diminish from him but the point of where emory's at now is that we're about 40 years old we're better at playing our instruments than we ever have just because we have the years of experience yeah and i just want to make music that's more like what i would consider unproduced i don't know if that's a good technical term for it but i just want it to sound like what we sound like if we pick up instruments and play them yeah. so it's not hard rules i'm not saying there's no editing or anything like that but in every way possible that it can be feel alive that yeah. recording things at a high production level is not attractive to me at all anymore 
Yeah. And I don't know if that's personal or uh, pendulum swinging or whatever, because I've certainly been very guilty of overproduction when I have my hands on it. I want to. There's no reason why we can't make it sound good with the the sounds that just come out when we make them. Yeah. And so that answers a lot of questions. Like, are, is there going to be a drum machine or some electronic beat? No, there's not going to be. That's not allowed. It's just the instruments that are in the room that we can play them and make them. If something needs to be cleaned up or edited, whatever, it's not a purist approach. It's yeah. just, it just, that the whole thing about creative stuff is you got to set parameters so that, you know, the more parameters you can set, then you actually have room to be creative here and there and there. You can't just say you can do anything. That's too broad. Yeah. So right now I'm selecting for what does Emory sound like when they get in a room and work songs out and play those songs. I would just want that. I like the way that that sounds and I want to try to make the record. I want the listener to have that experience that I have when we get something right in a room together. Yeah. Although we're not tracking it live or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, have that jam room feel, though, yeah. that magic. That's there, And I think that not, can sound really good. It's not. Yeah. A, I don't want it to sound trashy or garagey or lo-fi. It's sure. not that. It's just... If that helps make the decisions, that's the that's what I'm selecting for is is that you know just authenticity in a way because yeah. I you know I, I don't know it's gotten too easy to make stuff sound perfect. Yeah, just, that's just that's not it's not <laughs> yeah, attractive anyone, to me though. to hear that anymore. Yeah. So. And then you'll feel more more comfortable when it comes out being able to play the songs yes. live and everything else. The fans yes. will be stoked because it's going to sound like it does on the record. Yeah. The other reason that that happens is because I haven't spent. 180 hours with each song so they're actually nice to, for me to listen to the other way I put everything I can into it and by the time it's mixed I'm fucking out like I don't want to hear that anymore like I enjoyed it the whole time Yeah, I hear it mastered and I jam out to it and think you know what that was pretty good and then I don't listen again it's <laughs> over but the, the last few batches like the last record was a little more this per way and we did something recently that Chris produced it was a uh, re we redid some old songs and we I let him totally take the reins and do yeah. it and listening to those was so satisfying it was more satisfying to listen to stuff that I worked a uh, Matt and Toby record was the same way I had somebody else produce it yeah. and it's more satisfying to have the final product if I don't spend a thousand hours on it, if sure. I spend eighty hours on it, then it sounds good to me because I don't. I haven't. It's fresh still. It's fresh. It stays yeah. fresh. Yeah, and so that's rewarding in itself too. That makes complete sense. Yeah, and you guys, you're touring. You're touring. Uh, you have words escaping me, but the way you guys are touring now, your your whole regiment of touring, doing like a week here, mm -hmm. week there, week there, doing it regionally, and doing it way it works for you guys with kids and being you know uh husbands fathers like it's just this whole new way of touring like the thrice guys are doing it too like we won't go out for longer than three weeks like but it's it's sustainable isn't it it seems oh, like definitely I mean, yeah you don't have to go out for three months anymore right. it's to totally sustainable. sustainability is for sure one thing we've never managed is you know as far as you want to use terms like that is scalability we've not really figured out but sustainability <laughs> we, we're working pretty good at that like we make it where we can you know we have to just design it i mean that's what you're doing you're living your life you're trying to design your life and if you're designing your life and your career that's the whole point is to make yeah. it sustainable and enjoyable. That that's what you got to at least strive for. Yeah. And so you had to balance some of the things out, but yeah, if we, you know, bands get in the groove where they push themselves and whoever's the weakest person that had to finally go home or take a vacation, maybe they need to quit the band. Mm -hmm. That's not sustainable. That's why bands break up. Exactly. So we got 14 kids. Yeah. So crazy. we, it's as long as we can out, we have a blackout calendar and it's, it's just so depressing. Like, 
It is so depressing. Anybody can put on it dates they're not available, and it is horrifically full with kids' <laughs> it looks like birthdays. A it is horrible. Like you, oh, we can go out in November. Oh no, you can't. Yeah, never. Because there's eight <laughs> kids with birthdays in November, so you're not ever gonna do anything. It's terrible, but it, you know, because your birthday, the kid's birthday will be fall on a Thursday, and the party's on a Saturday. So a single child can block out four or five days in a week yeah. every year. It's and we got 14 kids, and it's just nonsense. <laughs> like, uh, you know, not to mention anniversaries and birthdays and holidays yeah. and back to school and ha- you know, whatever. It's just yeah. crazy. Like the next time we are going to turn November, but we can't leave until after Halloween. Yeah, of course you can't. So it starts November 2nd. Yeah. That's what we'll fly on the first. We'll go, we'll dress up, we'll take our kids out. And luckily, there's no birthdays for another 10 days after that. And sure. that's the time we're going to have to tour. Well, that's the cool thing, too, about getting people to show up to the shows is you've ruled out a lot of shows, right. show nights yeah. where people won't come out. Yeah. It's almost obvious. Like, it's yeah. almost like, well, we uh, you can see where we're going to tour because it's wherever the gaps are. We'll, exactly. We'll be out. <laughs> dude. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Matt, dude. This has been awesome. Like you got to get on stage soon too, and and yeah, sorry, uh, I can do it longer. But no, I'll it's back. good. Forty nine minutes. Look at that. Son. I am a very big fan of this show and what you do. And I told you this before we started, but when podcasts have become less and less conversational, in my view, where they become more and more like talking points or agenda based yeah. medium, like, and I don't think that's good. But to me, this is really good. And what you do, I appreciate that a lot, man. is just right on of what people should really be doing I and i, I really really appreciate it I, th- right. I, I really like it i think you have a real talent and skill and it's is a, is a no pun intended it's a pleasure dude <laughs> thank you man <laughs> all right man well uh yeah check out emory on tour and uh the new record will be coming out later this year and uh if you haven't check out the break it down podcast with matt carter uh where he delves into all kinds of crazy ideas and then also breaks down Emery stuff like mm-hmm. it, it actually breaks down the songs with clips and everything and then bad christian podcast all on the jabberjaw network label and, podcast uh, label podcast yes we didn't even talk about yeah. that we could do a whole podcast on that uh but the legends and stories of tooth and nail which is an awesome idea to do for a label with that much heritage yeah I it's crazy and yeah the zeo the zeo episodes are my favorite um so far and uh that was a part two part three part two part do we did two on oh two you on know zeo. what no i don't think i didn't tell anybody this but we actually have four there's, I have two more oh, shit. Uh, leads on Zayo that are, are episodes. I just didn't want to run for it, obviously. So we just sitting on the content for they, that band generates so many stories. But yeah. there's at least one or two more I want to tell about Zayo that I already have tape on that I'll just spacing out the release. That's awesome. Okay, buddy. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, dude. Love words, you, man. man. Love you too. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mr. Matt Carter from Emory, from the Bad Christian Podcast, from the Break It Down Podcast, the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. I mean, he's all over the place. He's got his hands in everything. And like I said in the beginning, he's been his own man his whole life, and he's made a career out of it. He has a family and a house, and he's just doing everything right, and hopefully it keeps working for him. I really hope it does. And as we talked about in the episode, I mean, it can be a little scary, but at the same time, he gets up and does what he wants to do, and that's kind of the the dream, I think, for a lot of people. So congrats to Matt for all he's done. Emery has a new record coming out soon. Uh, they had finished up tracking a lot of it by the time we did this episode and even more by now if it's not done already, um, and there will be a lot more information to come on that. So keep an eye out for that new record coming out. And, uh, I mean, there's just all sorts of things. You can check out the Break It Down podcast every week. Um, you can check out Bad Christian podcast every week. 
they be matched just all over the place. So also Jabberjaw shows. So check out Jabberjaw Media. Um, you'll find all that stuff. So I really appreciate you guys coming back week after week. I love doing this show. And uh, we got a lot of big guests coming up. Uh, it's going to be a busy summer is all I can say. Uh, I mean, probably five interviews a day. Uh, excuse me, five interviews a week uh, for the next little while. So we're going to be a little bit backlogged. But at the same time, it's all going to be quality stuff and super stoked to bring it to you. So look forward to that. Rate and subscribe so you don't miss anything. And as always, we'll see you on the radio. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.